What wondrous love is this, O oh my soul, O oh my soul? What wondrous love is this, O oh my soul? What wondrous love is this that caused the Lord of bliss to bear the dreadful curse for my soul, for my soul? To bear the dreadful curse for my soul. What wondrous love is this, O oh my soul, O oh my soul? What wondrous love is this, O oh my soul? What wondrous love is this that caused the Lord of bliss to Bear the dreadful curse for my soul, for my soul, to bear the dreadful curse for my soul. <clears throat> Grace and peace and welcome to Cokesbury United Methodist Church here in Woodbridge, Virginia. My name is Taylor Mertens. I serve as the pastor here at this church. Today is Good Friday. It's a solemn occasion in the liturgical year for the church it is the time we remember the cross, the cross upon which we put Jesus, the cross upon which he mounted for us. I'm delighted that you've decided to join us for this online Good Friday service. I just want to let you know that there's a bulletin. Uh, the link for it is in the video description. That bulletin might be helpful for you. It will contain our scriptures, our hymns, prayers. So if that's at all helpful, I commend it to you. This is always a difficult service for the life of Christians because it forces us to come to grips with the condition of our condition, that we rejected Jesus, but that that's all part and parcel with what it means to be, in fact, saved. So with thoughts of what it means to gather as Christ's body, the body that hangs on the cross for us, I encourage you to just take a few moments to be silent as we prepare our hearts and minds for worship, as we listen for what Jesus has to say to us about who we are, but more importantly, whose we are. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful, wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. You'll notice that if you joined us last night, we had color here in the sanctuary. We had purple, our pyramids were out. But tonight on Good Friday, not only do we do this, but churches all across the globe will remove all images of color, anything that even appears relatively joyful so that we can take in the starkness of the cross. I'm not even wearing a stole to help embody uh, what tonight really, really is. So with thinking about how different of a tonight tonight is, I encourage you to pray with me. Almighty God, we pray to you graciously to behold this, your family who gathers even online, for whom our Lord Jesus Christ was willing to be betrayed and given into the hands of sinners and to suffer death upon the cross, who now lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Lord, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole hearts. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We have not heard the cry of the needy. We have failed to be obedient. In your mercy, forgive us, O Lord, that we might be people who walk in the ways that lead not to death, but to life. 
Now hear the good news, friends. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners, not before, not after, but in the midst of our sins. And that proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. We've been going through a long sermon series at Cokesbury. We're calling it the Jesus Prayer Book, in which every week we've been looking at the Psalms that show up in the Gospels. And we're continuing that through Holy Week. We did it last night from Monday, Thursday. And tonight we're looking at Psalm 22, 1 through 5, and Mark 15, 25 through 39. So hear now God's holy word. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me, from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you our ancestors trusted. They trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. Now from the Gospel of Mark. It was nine o'clock in the morning when they crucified him. The inscription of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. And with him they crucified two bandits, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by derided him, shaking their heads and saying, Ah, you who would destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself, come down from the cross. In the same way, the chief priests, along with the scribes, were also mocking him among themselves and saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. Let the Messiah, the King of the Jews, the King of Israel, come down from the cross now so that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified with him also taunted him. And when it was noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. At three o'clock, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of the bystanders heard it, they said, listen, he's calling for Elijah. And someone ran, filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on a stick and gave it to him to drink, saying, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come and take him down. Then Jesus gave a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Now when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, truly, this man was God's son. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Our hymn tonight comes from the United Methodist Hymnal, December 289, Ah, Holy Jesus. If you're unfamiliar with the words, you can find them in the online bulletin. But now join me over at the drums as I play and sing with me. Ah, holy Jesus. Ah, holy Jesus, how hast thou offended that we to judge thee heaven hate pretended? By foes derided, by thine own rejected, almost afflicted. Who was the guilty who brought this upon thee? Alas, my treason, Jesus hath undone thee. 
T'was I, Lord Jesus, I it was denied thee, I crucified thee. Oh, the good shepherd for the sheep is offered, the slave hath sinned it, and the son hath suffered for our atonement. While we nothing heeded, God interceded. For me, kind Jesus, was thy incarnation, thy mortal sorrow, and thy life's oblation. Thy death of anguish and thy bitter passion for my salvation. Therefore, kind Jesus, since I cannot pay thee, I do adore thee and will ever pray thee. Think on thy pity and thy love unswerving, not my deserving. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Would you please pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Many years ago, I helped a church in Detroit, Michigan for a summer, and they were partnered with another church that was uh, downtown in the city, and they had this incredible cross that hung sort of seemingly floating above the altar and it was this beautiful giant wooden cross but the the bottom corner of it was gnarled like a like a dog had been chewing on it for years and I asked someone you know what's the deal with this perfect cross that's messed up on the corner has it fallen from the ceiling and someone said no we take it down every good Friday and we drag it through the city so that we don't forget what Jesus did for us that really stuck and hit me really hard when I heard that so when I became a pastor <clears throat> years later, I got a cross and I have carried it every Good Friday since. I carry it through the town that I serve as a way to kind of embody uh, getting, getting the cross outside of the church so that people are forced to look at this thing and live to remember what has happened. One of my favorite stories that has ever happened because of carrying the cross happened many years ago when I was serving at another church. I was walking through the town I was in and there was a coffee shop <clears throat> that I frequented regularly. And I was walking down the road and I was dragging this cross on my shoulder. And there was a mother and her son sitting at a small little table outside the, the coffee shop. So as I got closer, I, I know I was a strange sight. I was wearing all black, carrying a giant cross on my shoulder, dragging it through town. And as I got closer and closer, the, the mother and her son stopped talking and they were looking at me. And just as I crossed by, I heard the son say to his mom, 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 did you see that? She said, yes, honey. He said, that guy, he was carrying a giant X. I laughed when I heard him say that, 
But the more I walked and the more I thought about it, the sadder it made me. Because for that child, he had no sense in the world what it was that I was doing or what it meant. For him, the cross was like a letter from Sesame Street and not the deliverance of us from sin and death to life and life everlasting. It was early in the morning when they crucified Jesus. Now, the night before, he was breaking bread with his friends and sharing wine. He was washing feet and talking about love. But then he was betrayed. And one by one, his disciples deserted him and denied him. He went on trial before the powers and the principalities, accused of crimes uncommitted, and ultimately, he was sentenced to death. He was paraded through the city to mocking crowds. His weakness was such that someone was commanded to help him carry his cross, his instrument of death, all the way to Golgotha. And in the early morning light, they crucified him, nailed his hands and feet to the hardwood, and lifted him high for all eyes to see. One by one, they came to see this king of the Jews, and they mocked him. You said you would destroy the temple and build it in three days. Good luck doing that from up there. You saved others. Let's see if you can save yourself. Come down from that cross, you soon-to-be-dead king, and we will all believe you. Even the two bandits who were crucified on either side of him lifted up their own taunts. But then when it was noon, darkness came over the whole land, and it lasted for three hours. And then around three o'clock, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. And he died. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I've thought about those words for a long time. I can remember sitting in a dimly lit sanctuary as a teenager, hearing those words proclaimed from a rather portly looking Jesus in a dramatic reenactment and wondering about them. I can remember coming across the words in college and wondering why in the world Matthew and Mark would record these details in their versions of the gospel stories. I have read all sorts of commentaries. I have listened to all sorts of sermons just on this one sentence, and frankly, none of them have ever left me feeling satisfied. I've been so unsatisfied with so many thoughts on these words because they so often try to avoid exactly what it is that Jesus said. They try to avoid the words that we, for millennia, have proclaimed in faith. When I was in seminary, we we debated this verse in a class. My professor wanted us to explain why Jesus used these words as his last. And so, as people usually do in school, we competed with each other. Well, Professor, surely Jesus meant to quote the entirety of Psalm 22, but died before he could finish. Naturally, Jesus intended the disciples to understand that he didn't really mean what he said, and on and on we went, until my professor slammed his hands on the podium and declared, this is one of the most important verses in all of Scripture, and you cannot explain it away. Look at the words. Jesus has taken on our sin and he is alone. There is no good way to talk about this text. This is not a passage that leaves us walking with our heads held high. This is the depth of our depravity, held high for all eyes to see. This is, to put it very bluntly, all of our sin. 
You know, in order to come to grips with the cross of Christ, we are called to consider the gravity of sin. And I don't just mean those little choices we make every day that we shouldn't or the things we avoid doing that we know we should do. I mean all of them plus all of the horrific examples that you need only a moment on the evening news or to scroll through on Twitter to to find. None is righteous. No, not one, St. Paul says, and he is right. Had we been there in Jerusalem all those years ago, we, like the crowds, would have started the week with Hosanna and we would have ended it with crucify. Even his most faithful disciples abandoned him in the end. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why did he say that? In the moment of Jesus' death, the crucifixion, it is total hideousness. In that moment, Jesus experienced separation from the Father for the first and the only time. And I think it's because, as Paul puts it, he became sin who knew no sin. The condemnation that we all rightly deserved was absorbed by Jesus in totality. Consider the strange new world of the Bible. God looked upon us and our sin, and what did God do? God did not remain far above and removed from our struggle. and God, Instead, God chose to come right down into the muck and the mire of our existence. God looked upon us and our sins, and God entered into our very condition, birthed as a baby to a virgin in a manger. And that baby, that baby grew to proclaim the good news for a world drowning in bad news. He healed the sick. He fed the hungry. He befriended the lonely. And when he entered the holy city, we nailed him to a cross. And in so doing, God removed the condemnation that we deserved. Now, this will no doubt cause some of us to wince or simply dismiss it because surely we don't deserve condemnation. Maybe someone else, like the, those people we saw on TV or, or the people who voted for the other candidate or for the person who keeps insisting on posting such terrible and reprehensible things online, but definitely not us. But part of the Christian witness is that we, each and every single one of us, are sinners without a hope in the world unless we have something that can save us. Something had to be done about sin, otherwise we would be doomed. Something had to be done to get us from where we were to where we could be, and that something is actually a someone. His name is Jesus. In the cross, justice is served. But it's also an injustice. It's an injustice because Jesus paid the price for the sins of the world. All of our versions of justice in this life, they can certainly make some things better. At the very least, they can bring comfort to those who've been wronged, but that will never, ever be true justice because the specter of sin raises its ugly head over and over again. But divine justice, the cross, is entirely different. We do not deserve God's love, and yet God's reigning attribute for us is love. There is a victory that begins on the cross and comes to fruition in the empty tomb in which the old world of sin and death is destroyed. That's our proclamation. It is, to put it simply, the good news. And yet on Good Friday and all sorts of other days, we sit in the shadow of the cross. That's why we put crosses in our sanctuary and we hang them up in our living rooms and we even tattoo them on our skin not just as a symbol of our faith, but as a reminder about what we did 
and what has been done for us. We lift high the cross because the Gospels remind us over and over again the bitterest of ironies. The only person who can touch us and heal us and forgive us and make us whole is dead. Forsaken and shut up in a tomb. And our only hope is that God won't leave him there. So we offer this to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One God now and forever. Amen. Dear people of God, our Heavenly Father sent his Son into the world, not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved, that all might be delivered from the power of sin and death and become heirs with him of everlasting life. And so now we pray, therefore, for people everywhere according to their needs. Almighty and everlasting God, by whose spirit the whole body of your faithful people is governed and sanctified, receive our supplications and our prayers which we offer before you for all members of your church, that in their vocation and ministry they may truly and devoutly serve you through Jesus. Lord, we pray for all the people of earth, those near and those far away, those at the top and those at the bottom, the first and the best and the last and the least. God, kindle, we pray, in every heart the true love of peace and guide with your wisdom those who take counsel for the nations of the earth, that in tranquility your dominion may increase until the earth is filled with the knowledge of your love. Lord, we pray for all who suffer and are afflicted in body or in mind, for the hungry and the homeless, the destitute and the oppressed, for the sick, the wounded, and the crippled, for those in loneliness, fear, and anguish, for those who face temptation, doubt, and despair, for the sorrowful and the bereaved, for the prisoners and the captives, for those in mortal danger. We pray for all of them that you, O Lord, in your mercy will comfort and relieve them and stir up in us the will and the patience to minister to their needs. O God of unchangeable and eternal light, look favorably on your whole church, that wonderful and sacred ministry, mystery. By the effectual working of your grace, carry out in tranquility the plan of salvation. Let the whole world see and know that things which were cast down are being raised up, and things which have grown old are being made new, and that all things being brought to their perfection by him through whom all things were made, your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit. Amen. For now the cross stands high in the sky. The stone has been rolled in front of the tomb. And our only hope is that God won't leave Jesus there. So I pray that the God of grace and glory, God of the beginning and the end, the God of life and of death and of resurrection, will help you to see that though we sit in the shadow of the cross, Easter is coming. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen.
Jesus, keep me near the cross, there a precious fountain, free to all a healing stream, flows from Calvary's mountain. In the cross, in the cross, be my glory ever, till my raptured soul shall find rest beyond the river. Near the cross a trembling soul of and mercy found me. There the bright and morning star sheds its beams around me. In the cross, in the cross, be my glory ever, till my raptured soul shall find rest beyond the river. Near the cross, O Lamb of God, bring its scenes before me. Help me walk from day to day with its shadow o'er me. In the cross, in the cross, be my glory ever, till my raptured soul shall find rest beyond the river. Near the cross I'll watch and wait, hoping, trusting ever, till I reach the golden strand just beyond the river. In the cross, in the cross, be my glory ever, till my raptured soul shall find Rest beyond the river.